Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. I'm joined by three great guests this week to talk the recent Charlotte Open in North Carolina, but before I get into that, I wanted to say a few words to pay tribute to the 2004 BDO World Champion, the Viking Andy Fordham, who passed away late last week. I mean, there's not really a lot that I can say that hasn't already been said about Andy. The term legend gets used an awful lot in sporting circles, but Andy really was a legend of the game of darts. He was instantly recognisable. People knew who he was. And, you know, he was part of a renaissance moment for the sport. Over four and a half million people watched his world championship win in 2004. And I challenge anyone to, to find a more popular champion over the years at Lakeside. For me, he, he really was the people's champion. He was the everyman, but he was also for so long seemingly the nearly man. You know, he'd get to the semi-finals and then lose to the eventual winner, or he'd get to the final and then lose out in a last leg decider. He got over the hump first in 1999, winning the World Masters against Wayne Jones, and then obviously 2004, one of the most memorable runs at the lakeside ever, really, as he won that world title that for so long seemed like it wouldn't, happened for him and that 2004 run I think was really special he beat Tony West who was a pre-tournament favorite because he'd won the world masters in 03 he beat Daryl Fitton 5-4 in a very close entertaining game and then of course there was that magical semi-final with Raymond Van Barneveld you know that semi-stage where Andy had lost four times before seemed like it had be the end of him again. Barney was coming off a tournament record average, 103-ish against John Walton, which is still the record now. And he went 3-0 up in that semi, and you thought, you know, maybe it's going to be five times a semi-finalist. But Fordham roared back, and, you know, the noise when he won that, you know, deciding set was something else. And it's a noise really only matched by when he won the final. And I remember being really struck when I spoke with Ray Stubbs last year when he said that he really felt for Mervyn King in that 2004 final because seemingly everyone, whether they were at Lakeside or at home, seemed to be cheering on the Viking. And when he won, yeah, for me, that, that's one of Dart's most beautiful ever moments, really. And I think the outpouring of love that we saw last week demonstrates what a beloved figure Andy was, but also what a warm and kind person that he was and the respect that other people in the darting community had for him. As I posted uh, on Twitter over the weekend, his comeback at the Grand Slam in 2015 was also another fantastic chapter in his story. And I, I don't think any image will really ever be, aside from Martin Adams playing in the Grand Slam, will ever be more surreal than him winning that game in 2015 against Wayne Jones and the entirety of the Wolverhampton crowd chanting Andy's name. Obviously, my thoughts go to his friends and family at this time. And, you know, if, if you want to, well, I've written a fuller tribute over at Darts Planet TV and you can read that on there. Now, moving on to the, the main focus of this week's episode, and that is the recent Charlotte Open in North Carolina, which was the second WDF event in the United States this year. It also saw the World Masters National Qualifiers for the ADO and the ADO National Cricket Championships. To talk the logistics of the whole weekend, I caught up with ADO Vice President Matt Stoner. I am now delighted to be joined again by the American Darts Organization's Matt Stoner. How are you, Matt? I'm 
good, Andrew. It, it's good to talk to you again. It's 10 months since you, you were on the podcast last time. So how have you been since then with COVID and so on? Um, it's been good. Obviously, the, the states are starting to open up again. So we've got darts probably in full action more than most of the rest of the world does. I'd say probably Australia is the only place that has more darts going on than we do. Awesome. And you've managed to stay clear of the virus? Uh, yeah, I, I, knock on wood, I've, me and my family have been fairly lucky. I've had friends, but not myself or real close to my circle. So That's good to hear. Um, when, when you were on last time, we were talking a lot about the WDF Virtual Cup, which you were heavily involved with. I mean, looking back on it now, how do you think that it went? For the first major like international, the entire world, Participating in a virtual setting like that, I'd say it went pretty well. I mean, obviously we had hiccups and problems, but at the end of the day, I think it went as well as it possibly could have. So as you mentioned, you know, darts has come back in America now, which is great to see. And last weekend we had the the Charlotte Open in North Carolina. And how was that for you? I know you joked on Facebook beforehand that you might have forgotten how to run an event. Yeah, so that was my first major uh, tournament so the Charlotte Open was gracious enough to host uh, the ADO Masters National Qualifier so we had 81 players in it we had 30 women and 51 men playing for an opportunity to represent Team USA in the Masters so that was just logistically something I hadn't thought about in a year and a half last time we did something that major would have been the Las Vegas Open with the national championships that we host there. So, yeah, it, it went smooth. Um, the tournament staff of the Charlotte Open did an amazing job. Uh, Dee Train and Michelle kept that thing running as smooth as it possibly could for uh, what they had in front of them. I mean, the clash with the, the CDC weekend in Florida obviously dropped numbers a little bit, but how would you assess the, the action across the weekend in general? It was great. I mean, if you looked at the averages, they were obviously the bottom end of the Charlotte Open was the bottom end of it, but our top players were right in line with where the CDC's top players were. I know it's what the field people had to decide where they wanted to go, but I think it kind of also showed the direction where players were kind of focused. I know Jules and Joe Chaney and Jason Brandon I've kind of talked about making a jump to focus on the WDF route this year uh, with everything that they're offering. So that's kind of awesome to see that players are getting behind the new system and deciding to chase after that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And actually being back in an event for you, what was the thing you felt that you'd missed the most over the last year and a bit? actually just kind of the, the camaraderie and meeting people either for the first time. Yeah, I, I, I see it joked about quite a bit on social media, the whole uh, good to see old friends and meet new friends. But it really is one of those situations where you run into people that you haven't seen in a year, year and a half, and you start talking to them, catching up. Or you meet new people who maybe have started playing darts during the pandemic or decided to take it more seriously. So... Maybe it was their first major tournament they went to outside of their area. 
And I mean, obviously, during you know the last year, the rise of online darts, there have been a lot of people taking the game up and taking it more seriously. Did you notice that there were a number of new people that you'd not seen before at ADO events? Yeah, I saw quite a few names and faces I had not seen before. Um, some of that also is just geographical. Uh, you get people who don't leave their area, so all of a sudden there's an opportunity in their backyard. They're going to seize it. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there's quite a few faces and names we hadn't seen before, which was real nice. I mean, this was the second event back this year for the ADO in terms of a WDF event. What's the push been like from players to actually get events going again now? America's opening up a bit and the vaccine's coming through quite strongly. In certain pockets of the country, darts never really went away. Uh, State restrictions warranted they could still have their competitions and stuff. But what you're starting to see is, is the players are hungry, so whatever is out there, we're seeing larger numbers. The Cherry Bomb Open in Florida had a record attendance. Unfortunately, like with Charlotte, we already discussed, they went up against the CDC weekend. So it would have been one of those situations where I think we would have seen probably 30 to 40 more players come if it hadn't have been for CDC. So I think the next big test is going to be the Washington Area Guard Open, which is on a holiday weekend for us. I, and that's a silver WDF event. I have a feeling that's going to be quite large. Uh, people are starting to really kind of understand what the new WDF system is. So they're chasing those points, and now they're obviously chasing the Dutch Dragon. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a nice segue there with Jules Van Dong, and he's someone probably a lot of people you know in the UK probably didn't know about before this year, played a lot online, you know, one that the Cherry Bomb Open, he came on the podcast, and obviously then he won in Charlotte as well. I know he's a friend of yours, but I mean, what have you made of the impact he's had this year in, in the American scene? Yeah, I mean, Jules is the new face. He's that anyone can kind of come from nothing to being the, the new face of the amateur scene. He definitely puts in the work. His skill level from when I first met him six, seven years ago to now has grown immensely. Uh, he has such a devotion and respect for the game. And he's... I remember when we talked, well, I think it was last year or the year before, He his goal was to play in the Masters. And then all of a sudden the Masters is now in the Netherlands. So that definitely became his goal this year. He wanted to go back home and play. And then all of a sudden we start talking, I explain the new WDF system to him, and he has an opportunity to go play at Lakeside. And that became the goal. Like, as soon as he got the master spot, then it was, I'm going to go play at Lakeside. And so I think that's really kind of fun that he's chasing that, and he definitely has an opportunity to do it. Obviously, he'd already booked his spot at the World Masters through the, the Cherry Bomb win, but he actually came through the Masters qualifiers you guys ran on the Friday. I mean, talk me through the other names who came through those events on Friday. We had uh, the gentleman who topped the table, Stephen Phillips. Uh, he's the little brother of Robbie Phillips. Uh, most players, Robbie's got quite a bit of international experience. Uh, he's gone to the Masters several times. He's represented Team USA both in the America's Cup and in the World Cup. He was part of the World Cup Kobe team that got, I think, silver or bronze. 
So that was really kind of fun to see that because they've had such a rivalry over the years, the two of them, to see Steven kind of step up now and he's in his own element. He's not in Robbie's shadow anymore. Um, then we've got another perennial favorite for the U.S., Joseph Cheney or Joe Cheney. Um, Joe, once again, lots of international experience. He's been on Lakeside. He played in the uh, last video world championship with the O2. He's been on Team USA several times. He's been to the Masters. Joe's form is really looking like it's back on, which is good to see. Uh, when Joe's throwing well, it's fun to watch. And then we have a kind of a newer. He's been on the scene in the U.S. for a while. He's competed on the CDC side and been known in his area of the country. Uh, Jason Brandon. Jason Brandon is probably one of the most underrated players in the United States. He can put up a hundred average pretty consistently, so that's nice to always see. Um, the players in the U.S. are definitely starting to come together. On the women's side, we've got Callie West. Uh, who, once again, represented Team USA several times, has the opportunity to go and compete with anyone in the world. And then Carolyn Mars, uh, probably the most underrated and kind of quiet female in the U.S. Uh, a lot of players know who she is, but at the same time, Carolyn had kind of stepped back a little bit from the scene for a while and came back a couple of years ago and kind of shocked the U.S. dark scene that she was back, and she came back with a vengeance, and then to get that spot for her is huge. So th that group that we're sending, those six seniors, is amazing. And then on our youth side, Asia Jalbert winning her third consecutive girls national championship to get a go to the Masters, and then P.J. Stewart winning his second. Uh, once again, both have represented and gone to the Masters before. I'm excited to see what they do. And now with the opportunity for them to go to the Youth World Championship, maybe if they can keep their WDF points going, they'll make an impact for sure. So I think looking at the, the WDF qualification criteria, I think you guys get five for the men and five for the ladies. But obviously you didn't give them all out in Charlotte. So what's the plan for the rest of them? So what we do is because we have our we, we do the we do the qualifier and the way that we do the qualifier um, it's an opportunity for someone who hasn't gone overseas before to gain that opportunity. Uh, we help with expenditures and all that stuff. As players like Jules had already qualified through Cherry Bomb and obviously Charlotte Open winning both those. So we'll take his spot and we'll gift it to another player. We actually, I think, gifted it to Dan Naylor, who finished fifth in the qualifier. Um, we, we look at players who are on form. We look on, at players who traditionally have always represented well, and we go from there. When, obviously, the World Masters happens later this year in the Netherlands, will you be coming over with Team USA? I will not be coming over. Uh, Tom Sawyer, our president, will go over with it. Um, traditionally, one of a, either the president or the vice president goes with my work schedule and everything else I've got going on this year. I opted not to go this year. Well, it's a shame you won't you won't be able to come over because it would have been good to, to meet you in person. But the format 
for, for the WDF World Masters is much bigger than the BDO one. A lot more players from, you know, around the world. And someone who's involved with a national federation. I know you've been involved with this process, but to you, what do you make of the, the new format? I think it's truly a world game now. That was one of the things when we were having the WDF calls that I stressed was we never felt like we were truly part of a sport that was supposedly a world sport or a world championship because we got one measly crumb for the world championship, which was our top male on the order of merit, regional order of merit, got an invite. You know, we never sent any of our women. Our youth never had an opportunity to compete. So it never made sense. Now with what the WDF is doing, it isn't just England and a little bit of Europe. It's truly a world sport. Um, I think we'll see more and more growth and more and more people embrace the WDF and what is coming from them. Looking at the, the ADO calendar for the rest of the year, I noticed that the Seacoast Open later this year is now a, a gold-ranked event. So how much work has gone into setting that up? And, and what will the gold incentive, so, you know, an automatic spot of the World Championships, what do you think that will mean for the players in, in America? Yeah, so that's the thing I'm the most excited about probably is the fact that we are looking at the fact that we can send three men, three women to the World Championships out of the United States possibly. Or at least, you know, we can send five out of North America, which is awesome. And that's an opportunity that we've never had before. So I'm every time I have an opportunity, I talk to the players about it. I mean, they, they call it the golden ticket. Every time I talk to little Richard, that's what he says. It's the golden ticket. It's the golden ticket. And it truly is. It can be that life-changing experience where you win that, you go to Lakeside, you compete. Look at what Jeff Smith did with that opportunity. He... Won a qualifier, you know, last chance qualifier at the Masters. Goes all the way to second place in the Lakeside. Has built a career on it. Is doing quite well in the PDC now. So it can be that catalyst that all of a sudden change how your direction of your life goes just by one opportunity. I mean, what does the rest of the slate look like this year for, for the ADO? On the WDS side, we have the water, what we call water, Washington Area Dart Association. It's over Labor Day weekend, first full weekend in September. Um, it's a silver event, so that has that can definitely be a game changer for points. Uh, if you win that, that's 96 points, so that's going to be huge. And then we have Virginia Beach, which is the biggest tournament every year in uh, US, not just the U.S., but North America. It's almost a $40,000 payout structure. They're a silver event also, so once again, game changer if you win that. Uh, then we have, like, we already mentioned the Seacoast Open, which is a gold event, and then we finish our calendar with uh, a bronze event at the Oregon Open the week after the Seacoast. So we've got quite a few events still to go, and we have an opportunity for the table to get shook up, or at the same time, set someone high enough into the world rankings that then all of a sudden that second place on our regional table becomes very important. I mean, one of the things as well we spoke about last time is you're a Dark Connect ambassador. So how pleased were you to see the official link up between the WDF and Dark Connect for the next five years? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. It's one of those things where 
Dark Knight has revolutionized the sport, but it felt like North America knew about it, and the PDC knew about it, and that was about it. And all of a sudden, we did the virtual cup, so more and more players figured out about it. Obviously, we had it at the World Cup in Romania in 2019, and that was a a lot of players' first exposure to it. But this is definitely going to be one of those things where, once again, you're bringing the sport to the world. Uh, if you, I've always wanted to know how your friend's doing or how a tournament is running. It's going to be real easy to jump on Darknet TV, watch. You can sign up, sign up for those fan alerts, make sure that you're following every dart that happens. Definitely. I certainly think... More technology for the the WDF, you know, the amateur game, whatever you want to call it. That side of the sport has always needed more technology and, and information about what's happening and where events are taking place. So the more they can use, the better in my book. And just to, to finish, I've got to ask, are we likely to, to see you take the hockey and play in any of the ADO events the rest of this year? Um, th- That's a tough one. I actually have a neck injury. I've got three herniated discs in my neck, so a lot of times throwing more than about nine legs puts me in pain. So I, I tow the line every now and then. I'm more up to tow the line in my basement. Um, I have a pretty good pro setup down there, but most of the time it's... When I'm at a tournament, I, I focus on making sure that the players are getting the information they need or if it's running correctly. Totally understandable. I mean, thank you so much, Matt, for your time. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I look forward to hopefully catching up again later in the year once you know all said and done, and we know which Americans are actually coming over to Europe for the big events at the end of this year, starting next year. Absolutely, Andrew. It's always a pleasure, and I'm always available for you. It was lovely chatting to Matt on the show again, and it was very encouraging to hear his thoughts on how the WDF's new ownership of the amateur side of the sport is going to help the ADO and increase representation for North American players moving forward. In our chat, he talked about Jason Brandon, who won the National Cricket Championships, came through the World Masters Qualifier and then reached the final of the Charlotte Open. And I managed to catch up with Jason last week to talk fishing, the importance of his family and why he's committed to playing in the WDF events for 2021. I'm now delighted to be joined by Tennessee's Jason Brandon. How are you, Jason? I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you, mate. You're coming off a successful weekend last weekend in the Charlotte Open. How do you look back on that weekend now? Oh, man. Uh, it was one of the biggest weekends of my life as far as darts goes. Uh, you know, I started out the weekend, went into that national cricket from the Windmill, the Windmill National Cricket Championship. You know, qualified for the Masters, which was the main thing I was going to Charlotte for. It'll be the first time I've ever qualified for anything like that. First time I'd be playing overseas. My international darts extends to going to Niagara Falls, playing with CDC about four years ago. That's as far as I've been, as far as international. And then, yeah, and then the rest of the weekend was great too. You know, I finished runner-up in the other two singles, the WDF singles and the uh, cricket singles. I mean, you, you smashed it all weekend, really. And, you know, winning that national cricket on the Thursday, how much do you mm-hmm. think that set you up for, for the rest of the weekend? Oh, that was huge. That was absolutely huge. That, that gave me a big boost of confidence going into that weekend. 
even though it was a different game, you know, cricket uh, instead of the 501, I think just that in general, you know, playing that well in that room, that just gave me a huge confidence boost for us the weekend. And it actually helped me, I think it definitely helped me for Friday, especially for the Masters, the Nationals. I mean, those Masters qualifiers, it was like a round robin, so lots of short, quick-fire games. Yes. Did you yes. did you know before your last game that you'd made it through? Actually, I was hoping. I thought I'd played well enough to at least make, you know, third or fourth. You know, I wasn't expecting first or second, but I was hoping I'd at least qualified. Now, my wife, she was sitting there. She was back at the table. She was texting the kids when I still had two matches to go. Telling her, telling her kids, hey, we're going to Netherlands, we're going to Netherlands. And I was like, wait, 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 I still got two matches to go. It's not over yet. She said, no, nah, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. <laughs> I said, I'm glad you're sure because I'm not too sure yet. So when you played those last two and they confirmed with you that you, you had qualified, what was the, the emotion for you then? Oh, man, I was just <sighs> big relief, uh, huge excitement for sure to be able to you know qualify for something like this. Uh, I, I couldn't put in the words at the time. It was just I was I was relieved. I mean that it was you know that I'd finally done it. You know what I mean? Hmm. And uh, I don't know. It was just it's still to an extent it's still hard to believe that I've actually qualified for it. So coming over to Europe, how do you think? Obviously, we're hoping COVID and whatever it's still able to happen. But what are you looking for from that experience? I never want to get ahead of myself when it comes to something like this. And, you know, like back when I started the CDC, that's the only thing I can really compare this to. You know, my first year of the CDC, I actually won the third event. And I never in, a, in my wildest dreams would ever dreamed that year that I would actually have won an event. And uh, my, my hope, my plan was just competing. You know, doing well, being able to say, hey, I can compete with those guys. You know, uh never in a million years thought I would have actually won one and actually truly competed on that. And I'm hoping I can just go over and play well and I keep the nerves down because I know it's a, it's a whole different game over there. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I suppose it will also be a help, the change to the format now. There are so many more spots open to, you know, the countries like America. So you'll be coming over as part of a much bigger team than maybe you would in years past. Uh, exactly, yeah, and um, I think they've actually, what I heard, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, somebody said they actually changed it to like a round-robin format for the mm. first few rounds, Yeah. and uh, so I think that'll give us, you know, more experience, more games, you know, come over and not just get knocked out four games and you're done, you know, lose 4-0 and you're, you're out, you know, you actually get some more games and more experience on that stage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a positive change. Especially oh, yeah. for, you know, the Americans, the Canadians, the, the Kiwis, who have got to travel a long way to play in the event. Yeah. And over here, I, you know, me and a buddy of mine talked, actually guys on the team that I played doubles with, Joe Cheney, we had talked and, uh, you know, at the time, you know, the last year or so, all, all we had now was the PDC, you know, CDC Avenue to get into the PDC. And then with the WDF coming back out, I'm kind of, I'm, I, you know, I, I can play darts, but currently I don't think I'm at the level to compete or play on the CDC or the PDC. Sorry, I think 
me personally, it would be better off for me to get the experience on that stage at the WDF level before I try to, you know, even attempt to compete, you know, with the guys on the PDC. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely. Just get a, get a little get a little bit of seasoning. I don't think I want to go over there and just jump into the frying pan. You know, I'll get, get over there and get a little playing experience. I think I could compete average-wise, you know. Not, not, I, I'm not saying I can go over and just win. I'm not saying I can do that, but I think I can compete better on the WDF circuit than I can definitely on the PDC circuit. And that, that is no way a knock to the WDF. No way. I'm, I'm not I'm not meaning any kind of slight towards the WDF. I'm, I'm excited about the WDF coming back and being able to play on that. And it's the case that you're committing to that this year as your priority because that's where you feel you're going to get the best results. Right, exactly. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, I, I can compete with the CDC. I can I can play on that tour. I can. And I'm I'm not ruling that out either. I'm 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 still considering going, you know, Philadelphia for the, the last event in September. But I'm still I'm gonna make sure that, you know, the, the WDF events I hit those as well. And obviously having kind of made that decision that the WDF was gonna be your focus, you obviously wanted to do well in the Charlotte Open singles, which you managed right. to do, clicked, you got to the final. Obviously, that didn't go your way, but that performance must have given you an awful lot of confidence. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was actually, I was, I was telling some friends of mine, that was actually the one of my goals this weekend was to actually compete in the WDF singles over here because every tournament that I've been to has a WDF ranking to it. It seems like I've been first round and out or second round. You know, I haven't I haven't played well in the WDF singles when we, in our events over here, and I finally pulled that off. And I... Uh, Got me some points, and you know we'll see what goes from there. If I can put a few, put a few more together, you know who knows. What's the plan then for you for, for the rest of the year in terms of WDF events? You're going to try and get to as many as you can. Yes, I am. Uh, I plan on going to the Virginia Beach uh, in October. I believe it is. I nearly moved to October. No one said March. And I'm I'm gonna try to go to the Sea Coast. Uh, I'm gonna play in our qualifiers to try to get because I've got another national qualifier there. So uh, if I can play in the regional or local regional here to, to get qualified for that, I'll, I'll definitely make that trip. I'm trying to think of the other ones. I, I know I won't be able to make the Oregon Open, but I'll definitely I'm gonna try to make those two for sure: the Virginia Beach and the Seacoast. Those are the two bigger ones, anyway. And I mean, you you mentioned it already. You sort of were playing on the CDC. You were someone I knew as a CDC player, sort of from when that tour started. What do you think you kind of took from the events that you've played on that previously? Oh man, it was it was a huge experience to play. You know the bigger guys, and you know you go to a tournament. Sometimes it's you know three games you're out. You know best two out of three. Most of our tournaments over here, which they've they've started to adopt the uh, the uh, longer formats. You know best three out of five, five four out of seven. You know those type of events. But uh, just playing the longer formats against your top tier top tier guys. You know that that's it only helps your game. And to see kind of the success that guys on that circuit have had over here, most recently Danny Baggish, that obviously exactly. sets an example for you to to where darts might go eventually. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and I, I you know it's since the CDC has started, darts over here on this continent have really skyrocketed. I mean, just the level of play for everybody. Uh, uh, U.S. Canadians, all of us, you know, it's just it's 
amazing how much it's come up in the last six years. Yeah. And now we're, and now we're getting more opportunities because, you know, they've signed on with the PDC. They've, they've got, you know, the avenues to get us playing now. And it was, don't get me wrong, it was a very tough decision to go to Charlotte over Tampa. But I had already had the commitments, you know, my doubles partner set up and I already had the qualifier for the Nationals, for the Masters set up. I was actually even considering playing the Masters Nationals on Friday, flying out Friday evening to Tampa and then playing the CDC Saturday and Sunday, but just and missing the Friday event. <laughs> but then I thought, man, you know, it'll be going to travel. I'm going to be wore out. I've got to start back to work Monday. I just, I thought, you know, I'm just going to do Charlotte. And it, 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 it took me a while to make that decision. I was back and forth with it for a while, but I finally just, you know, I thought it'd be easier on me if I just stayed in Charlotte. Yeah, certainly looks like a good decision now anyway. Yeah, I, I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. I mean, going back originally from you, for you, I know you live in, in Cowan, Tennessee now. Has that always been where you've called home? That's exactly where I've been. I've, I've grown up here. I'm 46 now, and I've lived here all my life. So how did you, how in, you know, Cowan, you said, was a small town. How did you get into darts there? Was it a big thing in the community? It really was not. We had a uh, a local league. It was called Tullahoma Dart League. It was based out of a, a town, a county over, county north of us. And uh, my aunt had a bar down the street. And when I first started, it was back in 96. I had, was just about to turn 21. I wasn't really technically legal to get into bars. I was three weeks away from turning 21. And the first three weeks I played on the league, yeah, I was technically illegal. However, we were in my aunt's bar, so it was, you know, I got by with it. <laughs> and uh, just started playing league. We were in the lowest division, E division, and fell in love with the game and moved up to B division the next season, moved up to double A, the top division the following season, and played well. And, uh, you know, went from there. Started playing a few tournaments here and there, wasn't. Wasn't doing that good, of course, the tournament's just starting out. Actually, in 98, two years after I'd started playing, I had uh, won the Choo Choo Classic singles in Chattanooga, a bigger tournament. And I, I played uh, Roger Carter, a good friend of mine, who was, at the time, one of the top players in the country. And uh, I actually beat him in the finals and won my first big tournament, which was exciting because I hadn't been playing for about two years. And then... Uh, you know, played league, played tournaments, you know, moderate success here and there. But, uh, of course, I was married, had a couple little kids, and I started a new job on night shift, had to quit. I quit playing altogether for about six years. And I came back out in right around 2009, 2008, I'm sorry, it was 2008. My cousin's the one that actually got me back into playing. He wanted to get a set of darts and start playing darts. And uh, so I, you know, I took him, we got him a set of darts, we started playing some doubles events, and I hadn't touched darts in six years, but, you know, we were going out and we won. We were starting to win everything. We won a state title together in the doubles, which was, at the time, you know, that was, I was ecstatic. I, hey, I won one with my cousin. That was great. And then, uh, uh, then he actually quit and went back to playing golf. And I'm still stuck out playing darts. And I just, I didn't play league again. I have not played league since probably 2002. 
and I've just played tournaments pretty solid since '09. I mean, obviously, you mentioned your cousin there, and you know, you spoke about your wife before. I know family is a huge thing for you, because I oh, saw yeah, I saw on Facebook over the weekend your mum had posted something saying, you know, this is my son. I'm so proud of him. Whatever. I mean, and then also, (laughs) and then earlier this year, you won the mixed pairs with your daughter for the state in Tennessee, which must have been hugely proud for you. Oh, yeah. And I I told everybody, I said, you know, at that tournament, out of all the state championships that I've won, which I actually, I think is total, like different events, total, I think I've won like 21. I would trade every one of them away, you know, to win one with her. And we accomplished that. Now, if I can keep, you know, my son, you know, he he'll he'll dabble with it. He'll play with me every now and then. He'll play with my daughter. They they back and forth. They they compete with each other. But he don't take it serious. He don't he don't play much. I'm not saying he don't take it serious. He just don't play much. And uh, but my next goal is to try to win a men's doubles with him. And if I if I can pull that off, I would say, hey, now nah, it's complete. My career is complete. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of your son, I have to say I was hugely impressed. I know fishing is a big hobby of yours. And when you guys were down in Florida for the, the Cherry Bomb International, you and your son had a pretty impressive catch out there. <laughs> yes, sir. We uh, you know, we were out there and was trying to catch some uh, mahi-mahi, mahi-dolphin or whatever you want to call it. And uh, wasn't much biting. A couple people had caught one each. So we started bottom fishing. Funny thing about that is the one rod that they had set up was probably the worst rod that we could have hooked that fish on. It was the smallest setup, the smallest rig. It was a 60-pound test, <laughs> and that's the one we hooked the shark on. It ended up being an 8-pound, or excuse me, an 8-foot, 300-pound bull shark. And my son hooked it, and he fought it for a little bit, and he got tired. I took over for about 10, 15 minutes, and it was wearing me out. And then he finally, he got his second win. He took it over and landed it, which was huge. That was the first time he had ever been. That was like the second time I'd been, deep sea fishing, charter fishing. We fish around here quite a bit, but that's just local, you know, little brim, crappie bass, stuff like that. Nothing nothing huge like what we just had there. (laughs) So when you caught it, did you have to put it back or...? Actually, what they said, as long as we get the leader up to the pole, the leader touches the pole, it's considered landed. They wasn't going to put it on the boat. Uh, they got the leader. We got the leader. He landed it, and they held it up kind of about a line. Uh, we snapped the pictures, got our videos or whatever, and then they cut the line and let it go. Well, that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. I was proud for him. I was, I was happy for him. Thank you so much for your time today, Jason. It's been lovely chatting to you, and hopefully, if all goes well, I'll get to see you at the World Masters later this year. I hope so. I hope nothing happens. I know that uh, they cancelled the Dutch Open over there. I don't know if something... I hope that doesn't affect the Masters any, or if nothing else, you know, maybe it's early enough. I, I Maybe they can move the Masters to, something, to another location or something. I don't know if that's even a possibility, but... You know, if the Netherlands are starting to lock back down again, I don't know. I hope it don't get canceled. Yeah, me too, my friend, me too. But yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, uh, you know, asking me for this. I, I, honestly, it's my first one. <laughs> I had really good fun talking to Jason, and hopefully I'll be able to see him and 
many of the other American contingent in Assen later this year. Another person who will be off to Assen at the end of the year representing America is Paula Murphy. An international with America, she'd already qualified for the World Masters last year with her wins in the Las Vegas Open and the Syracuse Open. But she won also in Charlotte with a series of impressive performances. And I managed to catch up with her last week to talk her performances in Charlotte, her goal to improve her average throughout the rest of 2021, and her new and slightly unusual travel companion. I'm now delighted to be joined by American international Paula Murphy. How are you, Paula? I'm pretty good. Thank you, Andrew. It's nice to speak to you. And last weekend you picked up the Charlotte Open title. How are you feeling now? Oh, pretty good. It's uh, it's good to be out there again. You know, we were shut down for almost a year and just getting back slowly, little bit by little bit. So this is like the second big one I've been since uh, January. I know restrictions sort of varied from state to state over in America. So where you are in Florida, were you able to keep playing in-person stuff last year or were you resorted to um, mostly online? Well, about summertime, they started uh, easing up a little bit and uh, we, were, we were able to uh, uh, go back into the bars. As far as uh, tournaments, they still... They still weren't ready to, to do that just yet, so we started playing online and uh, had several leagues and tournaments and stuff, started doing that, and uh, it kind of helped us get back into it. In Charlotte last weekend, you actually won the, the warm-up singles at the start of the weekend, so did you feel yes. that kind of gave you an incentive or extra motivation and confidence oh, yeah. going oh, yeah. into the main but, one? Uh, it was nice because we had we had driven uh, driven up uh, that morning and uh, we got there about an hour before it started, so they gave us an hour to chill and get ready and all. And uh, I was just hoping that uh, my darts were going to be there. And as I progressed, it just got better and better. So I felt really good about it. And uh, always getting that first win, you know, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the weekend. Absolutely. And that's the fifth time you've won the Charlotte Open now, so there must be something in that North Carolina water that you obviously like. I don't know, but it must be good. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess it must also, you know, your performances there must have felt sweeter as well because the the Cherry Bomb International a couple of weeks before, you went out in the last 32. Yes, um, I was struggling a bit that day. It just... I wasn't really feeling very well. I wasn't feeling good about it. I was very disappointed in myself, but, you know, I uh, made up for it the next day when I played the cricket singles. Came back with that. And something I do have to ask about, I saw your post on Facebook earlier. You have your new travelling companion for the darts, Mr Bigglesworth. Yes, Mr Bigglesworth, yes. He, everybody loves him. (laughs) Um, actually, he belongs to a couple of friends of mine, and they asked if I would start bringing him around and get pictures with people. And so Charlotte was the first that we did it, and uh, we had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> you know, the girls loved it. <laughs> See, he kind of got around. He's got a little name going. <laughs> We're going to make him a shirt. 
So hopefully, if you're able to come over later in the year for, for the World Masters and maybe even the World Championship, he'll be able to come overseas with you as well. Yes, he will. He's going to make his debut, sitting there and cheering everybody on. <laughs> You've been hugely successful in the USA over the last 10 years. I think the win last weekend was your 37th career title. What keeps you motivated and, and wanting to achieve even more? You know, I just love the game, period. Um, it just, it's kind of like my drug. <laughs> it, it gives me highs whenever I'm playing really well. Um, I love the people that I play against with, new people that I get to meet, old people I get to meet. I have people come up, ask me advice, you know, and I try to help any way I can. You know, it just, it's just it's just a good feeling, you know. Absolutely. I just, uh, just really enjoy it. Of course. That's lovely to hear. And, I mean, originally then, for you, how did you actually get into darts in the first place? Uh, that was my husband. <laughs> he uh, worked on the other side of town and... He could never get home in time because the bridge would always be backed up. So I would just travel over there a couple times a week and meet him. And uh, we had a little little pub that we would play at, at that served food. So we eat dinner there and just throw darts. And one day the uh, owner of the pub had been watching me and asked if I wanted to play darts, if I wanted to get on a team, you know. And I looked at my husband and I said, do I? He said, yes, you do. So that started it, and it progressed from there. Hmm. So when did you kind of realize then yourself that, you know what, I'm actually reasonably good at this and I'm able to compete with, you know, the best in the country? Uh, probably about three, four years after I got into it, because I really was just playing around with it, you know, I was enjoying it. I didn't know anything about tournaments, you know, be it going out of town or anything like that. And, uh, a couple of years after we'd been into it, we went into a couple places, and I was really nervous, of course. Um, but the more I got into it, and I decided, you know, I'm going to start, I'm going to really get into this, really start being competitive, then I started, the nerves started going away a bit, you know. I just made one goal after the other and kept going. So when you were setting those goals, was that a, you know, I want to be averaging, you know, getting a certain average, or was that more, I want to be reaching, you know, finals, or I want to win a tournament, all that sort of thing? Yeah, I, uh, it's kind of a little, little bit of all of it. Um, like right now, I'm trying to get my average back up, you know. Uh, it, uh, I've had several tournaments that I was throwing really well, you know, and a couple of them I wasn't, so my average dropped. But uh, I'm just trying to get my stroke back. But, uh, some of it, it was just, I got to get past this person. And once I got past that person, then I didn't worry about them. Then I had another person that I wanted to get past. My kind of goals were like that. Hmm. Um, and then once I got past all that, then I thought, okay, you know, I can do this. I want to win this tournament. I want to win that tournament. You know, I just want to do the best that I can. Hmm. And, um, don't want to let my partners down. I don't want to let me down. So, you know, it just uh, just kind of progressed that way. Yeah. And now I just, you know, keep 
keeping the strokes strokes straight. Well, I mean, you talk about individuals. I I remember a couple of years ago looking at the results, you know, from the American events, and it seemed that almost every Open final was you and Stacey Pace playing each other. So, I mean, what kind of rivalry did you? Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you, you just, uh, I kind of uh, have to get my focus where I kind of talk to myself and say, you know, where are you at? Get your, get your, get your focus down. And once you start doing that, you get in that zone and you just go. You know, once you're in that zone and it's getting to that zone, once I'm in it, then I don't even think about that person. I'm just, I'm going to get this game and then go on to the next game, one game at a time. You've been over to, you know, the World Masters before you've been over Mm -hmm. to the UK. And I mean, obviously the Charlotte Open would have qualified you, but you qualified from last year anyway, when you won the Las Vegas again for the, for the fifth time. So mm-hmm. what have your experiences been like playing in Europe and the UK previously? The first time I went, oh, I was scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. So I didn't really do very well at all. Um, but the second time I went, I was better prepared. And I was just, I don't know, the darts were there. And I was throwing really, really well. When I finally, I think I was the last one out in our group, it was like midnight (laughs) or so. It was really late. And if I had won that that last match, I would have gone on to play uh, Maria Mason for uh, uh, semis, I think. But uh, so, you know, I, I was out, but... I felt really, really good about the way I played the whole time. So I was good. You know, it was good experience. Absolutely. Felt real proud about it. And I'm sure after, you know, all the difficulties and the, the challenges the last year and a bit has brought everybody, mm-hmm. getting the chance to come over to Europe again for the World Masters at the end of the year is something obviously you're going to look forward to even more. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. Got to... Get, like I said, got to get my, my game back up there. I mean, we, we play online and we, we play real well, but then we're comfortable. We're in our own home setting and, you know, comfortable clothes. We don't have a lot of distractions other than my two cats that like to run through the house. But, uh, yeah, it, it's I really enjoy the competition, playing against different people, uh, playing against really good players. It's, it's a rush, basically. Yeah. And, I mean, so I mentioned it a little bit earlier on, the World Championship. With the, the changes to the WDF now, the women's field is bigger and there's going to be a spot for the leader in the American ladies' rankings. There's going to be a gold event that will qualify you as well. So I'm guessing the ambition for you is to be able to qualify and play in a World Championship for the first time. Yeah, I've... Yeah, I was actually I was just looking at that a little while ago, and I'm uh, the top American right now. Um, I think I'm in 14th spot. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's always a goal. Uh, uh, playing overseas, I played different places overseas, and 
it's it's different. It's definitely different from playing at home, and uh, it's a challenge because there's a a lot of really good 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 dart players out there. I don't take anybody for granted. That's for sure. <laughs> and I mean, if you did qualify for for the Ladies World Championship, mm-hmm. you would be the first American to play in a Ladies World Championship since Stacy Bromberg did it back in. 2002 so you would be in very elite company very (laughs) (laughs) i've i love watching those those girls lisa ashton and fallon and they are they are my heroes (laughs) (laughs) i tell you i am just amazed and they they really do a lot for us for the women they, they really give us something to look forward to, something to try for. So, yeah, they're our heroes. Absolutely. They've both done an awful lot for, for the ladies' game yes. in recent years. Yes, they have. So, I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, getting the opportunity to, to play overseas. One of the ones I imagine was, was quite a change for you was when you were with Team USA the World Cup in 2017 over in Japan. Oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> that was. That was fun. Yeah, I uh, I was doing pretty good on that one, too. I think I got top 16 uh, before I finally, uh, finally lost. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a tough match, too, because we went all five games. And I just, I just, I missed the double. She didn't. But... Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was that was a lot of fun. So you said that you know the goal for you this year is to just be getting your average back up to where you want it to be and where you know right. it can be. What's yeah. your plan in terms of events? What what's on the calendar for you for for the back half of twenty twenty one? well, we've got uh, uh, music cities coming up. Um, there's uh, I think there's a couple of soft tip tournaments. The bull shooter one. Uh, I, there was another one. I just uh, had somebody ask me if I was going to go to, um, which is a, a nice size one. And then we have uh, my favorite. One of my favorites is um, the Virginia Beach Classic, and uh, so I can't wait for that one. Yeah, we've a lot of people go to that one. Um, Payouts are real good. We've we've got the uh, which I love cricket, so <laughs> which I, I'm I'm decent at one, but I love cricket. And uh, they've got a cricket singles um, that they do before uh, everything starts. And I think I've won it like the last seven or eight years in a row now. <laughs> <laughs> they keep asking me, "Are you gonna let somebody else win?" I said. Uh, Hopefully not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) I mean, I suppose it's weird because we we don't play a lot of cricket over here. I mean, you you do if you play soft tip or whatever. But It's a a challenging game. It's a very challenging game because, I mean, O1, it it has its challenges on getting down and getting that out. But everything you hit is going to score. But cricket... You have to hit those numbers, and if you don't hit those numbers, and the other ones are, uh, you're done. 
And I was, um, I was going to say, does the, the does the cricket and obviously your proficiency in cricket does that help with O one? Is there a translatable oh, yeah. skill there? Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, you you play. Sometimes we'll play uh, the cricket numbers before we get going because that gets you hitting those triples. I is funny. So I hit more triples in cricket than I do in O one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why, but it just works out that way. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, Paula. I really appreciate it. And hopefully onwards and upwards for the rest of the year. I hope so. <laughs> and thank you for having me. Thank you very much to Paula for her time. I really enjoyed talking to her. And thank you to all of this week's guests, Matt, Jason and Paula. And thank you very much for listening. If you've got this far, your support is always greatly appreciated. The Slovenian Open, the first ever Slovenian Open, should I say, took place this weekend, just gone. Uh, and Benjamin Pratnamer, the, the 2020 PDC World Championship qualifier, was the men's champion, which was pretty good going, considering that he was tournament director as well. There'll be a recap of that event and this weekend's Appertin Open in Serbia next week. And in the meantime, stay safe. If you're in the UK, enjoy the relaxed restrictions you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast at Inside the WDF. You can like the page on Facebook, Inside the WDF. And you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or just follow wherever you get your podcasts from. Until the next time.